The following audio is from Delta Church in Springfield, Illinois. Our purpose is to proclaim the gospel through the church to a world that needs Jesus Christ. We pray this sermon will aid and encourage your daily walk with Jesus. For more information about Delta, you can visit us online at deltachurch.net. If you are using the Black Pew Bible in front of you, you will find today's passage on page 844. Otherwise, in your copy of Scripture, if you'll look for John chapter 11, I'm going to read verses 17 through 27. And once you've found that, if you would please stand for the reading of God's Word, that would be awesome. Now when Jesus came, he found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb four days. Bethany was near Jerusalem, about two miles off, and many of the Jews had come to Martha and Mary to console them concerning their brother. So when Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went out and met him, but Mary remained seated in the house. Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But even now, I know that whatever you ask from God, God will give you. And Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha said to him, I know that he will rise in the resurrection on the last day. And Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? And she said to him, yes, Lord. I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God, who is coming into the world. This is the reading of God's word. Please have a seat. Well, good morning. Christ is risen. It risen indeed. Amen, amen. Saints, this morning we're here to gather together on this Sunday morning as party throwers. And the party being thrown is in celebration of death's defeat. It's in celebration of sin's demise. And it is in celebration of Satan's downfall. Resurrection Sunday is a party for the redeemed. Why? Because Christ Jesus the Lord is risen today. Amen. As promised, the serpent has been crushed. As foretold, the tomb has been emptied. Therefore, in the words of the great country music theologian to ever live, Johnny Cash, there ain't no grave can hold my body down because there ain't no grave that could hold Christ in the ground. Amen? On Good Friday, Jesus was crushed for our iniquities. On Good Friday, Jesus received the punishment we deserve for our sin. But on the third day, up from the grave, he arose, for God raised him from the dead, freeing him from the agony of death. On that first Easter Sunday, a new day had dawned, and like a bullhorn dialed to level 10, the resurrection of Jesus Christ was heaven's victory proclamation that truly it is finished. Yes, on Friday... Death was dealt. Our Lord Jesus Christ went to the cross, and he really did die. But on Sunday, that tomb was robbed. And when the jaws of death are broken by life incarnate, you do not stifle a yawn. You throw a resurrection celebration. And that's what we are gathered here to do today. So I say again, Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. So what we're going to do this morning is we're going to direct our attention and celebrate the resurrection of Jesus by going to the Gospel of John. The Gospel of John is one of the four books in the Bible that tells us about the life of Jesus Christ. 
And there's a particular chapter inside that book of John written by a man named John where Jesus has a very particular interaction with a man named Lazarus. And Lazarus has an experience that is unique in that Jesus raises Lazarus from the dead. And this morning, we're going to discover this truth from this chapter in the Gospel of John, that because Jesus is the resurrection and the life, because Jesus is the resurrection and the life, I can have eternal life. You, me, any sinner can have life forever with a holy and righteous God, not because we deserve it, not because we earn it, but because of who Jesus is. And Jesus is going to tell us in our verses this morning, I, Jesus, am the resurrection. I am the life. So let's pray. I'm going to ask for the power of God to speak and move among us this morning as we take the next several minutes to look at this text, and then we're going to dive in and see what Christ has to say to us from these words. So let's pray. Father, the aim this morning is to see you receive the glory you are worthy to receive. Jesus, our aim this morning is to see the spotlight, the limelight set centered, solely focused upon you. You are the resurrection. You are the life. And we can find eternal life in you alone. Holy Spirit, would you move in power and would you move in might this morning? Would you work in and through me? Set me aside as it were so that as I seek to explain the scriptures before us, What we hear are not the mere words of a man, but what we hear this morning are the words of God proclaimed with precision and power and might so that faith this morning would not rest on the plausible words of a message from a man, but so that faith would come to rest in him who is the power of God himself, the Lord Jesus Christ. It is in the name of King Jesus that I pray these things. Amen. So to set the stage here, let's, let's do this. To, to wrap our mind around these verses that were read for us in John chapter 11, ask yourself this question. What is the greatest problem facing the human race? What is the greatest problem facing the human race? My guess is if you were to get up, if you were to go out, go to a grocery store, go to school, go to work, whatever it is, start taking a poll, ask this question, just listen. My guess is that however many times you asked people, it'd be that many times you would get some kind of varying answer to the question, what is the greatest problem facing the human race? Whether the person was young, old, others in between, the responses would just vary all over the place. But if you take this question, what is the greatest problem facing the human race, and you go to the Bible and you ask this question of the scriptures before you, the Bible reveals that despite all the various answers that could be given, there is a common problem that holds every human being hostage in fear. 
And it's the fear of what the Bible describes as the last enemy, the fear of death. Ever since Adam and Eve sinned against God in the garden, the shroud of death has covered all people, says the prophet Isaiah. And now, like an ominous shadow, death lurks above, death lurks below, death lurks in and around all things in our world. Death is the universal statistic that none of us can escape, and it's this universal statistic that is gripping the hearts of two women named Martha and Mary as their brother Lazarus is lying sick and on his way to death. If you were to stick your nose, as it were, into John chapter 11 and just inhale John chapter 11, the aroma you inhale is the aroma of death. Death is in the air in John chapter 11. Lazarus, the brother of Martha and Mary, is sick. And this isn't like man-cold sick. This isn't like I got a, like a, a crushed toenail kind of sick. This is Lazarus is laying on his deathbed sick. And as these two sisters watch their brother who is there sick, these two sisters find themselves as two women in a long line of humanity who are held by that same paralyzing fear that has frozen so many hearts over time as they sit there and watch their brother being dragged into the jaws of death, and they are powerless to stop what the Bible calls the last enemy death itself. So what do they do? What would you do? As the loved one hangs there on the precipice of death, the prospect of death stirring despair in your heart, well, we know what they did. They sent for Jesus. Faced with the prospect of death, they say, we need to go to someone and they make a beeline to Jesus. But the Apostle John tells us in the verses leading up to our section this morning that upon hearing the news that his friend is sick, Jesus does something very weird, or at least something we would not expect. John tells us that in love, because he loves deeply, like in his guts kind of love, Martha, Mary, and Lazarus Upon receiving the news that Lazarus is hanging on the precipice of death, he actually delays going to see Lazarus. And he delays for two whole days. He delays his departure so that by the time he arrives in their hometown, the town of Bethany, the Apostle John tells us that Lazarus had already been in the tomb dead four days. And so what the Apostle John is doing is he's setting up the scene for us because he's giving this, this tidbit of information in order to confirm that Lazarus was truly dead. Like this wasn't like one second dead. This wasn't like, is he just like a, a little bit dead or is he like big time dead? No, he's like, he's like dead dead. Been in the grave, been in the tomb, wrapped up four days, tomb sealed, no hope from coming back from life dead. But in a moment in which, if you can just 
transport yourself and put yourself into the shoes of Martha and in Mary where they are watching their brother be dragged by the jaws of death into this place that everyone will eventually go. It seems in the moment that despair and grief are right because it looks like death is won. That's what it looks like at this moment, in a moment which felt like death had had the last word, Jesus shows up. And Jesus is going to say something to death. And Jesus is going to have a word with the last enemy. And Jesus is going to reveal to Martha, and if you keep reading beyond our text this morning, he reveals to Mary, he reveals to the crowds around him that he has power over death. He reveals to Martha, specifically in our text this morning, this beautiful, undeniable, unshakable, will never become untrue truth that Jesus Christ is the resurrection and the life. That's point number one for us this morning. Jesus Christ is the resurrection and the life. In your Bible, whether on your phone or your your device or in a hard copy in front of you, if you go down to John chapter 11, verse 25, you will see this truth there in front of you in the Scriptures, that Jesus Christ is the resurrection and the life. Notice that in the verses leading up to this revelation from Christ that Jesus comforts Martha. Jesus is a good shepherd. He cares for us in our sufferings and in our weaknesses. And he comforts Martha who has lost her brother by telling her, Martha, your your brother is going to rise again. Now Martha knows her Old Testament. she, She knows her Bible. She understands the grave is not the end, and she grasps from the Old Testament scriptures that Lazarus will rise again in the resurrection on the last day. So here's Jesus. He's looking at Martha. Martha's brother has just died. He's been in the tomb four days. By the time Jesus shows up, Jesus says to her, Martha, you need to know this. Lazarus is going to rise again. Her mind immediately punches out way out into the future. She says, yeah, yeah, I get it. I understand there's coming a future day way down the road when our God's going to judge the living and the dead. There's going to be this final day of judgment. And on that last day, resurrection is a truth way down then. Jesus is going to do something. He's going to take that truth and help her to see by grabbing that truth and pulling it forward from not that future day, but pulling it forward into the present tense reality standing right in front of her. That's what Jesus is going to do when he says to her, I'm the resurrection and the life. So that notice that while Martha is right, she's not wrong. She is right to say what she says about that resurrection in the last day, that it's going to take place on that final day of judgment, but Martha also is being shepherded. Jesus is taking her by the hand, as it were, and leading her forward to see and to learn that the beauty of that truth, what makes this truth that on that final day, resurrection will be a reality that none can deny, what makes that truth so beautiful is because of the one who was standing there and looking at her 
right in her face. That's why Jesus looks at her and says, Martha, you need to know this. I am the resurrection. I am the life. Notice what Jesus is not saying. Jesus is not saying, Martha, you need to know I can resurrect people. Now, that's true, but that's not what he's saying. He's not saying, Martha, I have life, and I can give it away to whoever I want. But that's true, but that's not what he's saying. Notice Jesus is saying, I am resurrection. He's saying, I am life. When you peel back the layers of me, says Jesus, at the very core, at the very epicenter of who I am, what you will find is the essence of me is resurrection, the essence of me is life. Throughout his gospel, the Apostle John from his first chapter, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, all the way up to this encounter here, one of the favorite ways the Apostle John loves to talk about Jesus is by talking about him as life. Life. John 1, he tells us Jesus is the life. John 5, that Jesus has life in himself. John 14, that Jesus is the way and the truth and the life. And as such, Jesus being life and having life in himself, Jesus came so that people may have life and have it abundantly, he says. And notice that because Jesus is the life, this means Jesus is the resurrection. To be resurrection is to be life. To be life is to be resurrection. So ask yourself the question, what, what does that mean exactly? I mean, that sounds good. People like me get up on Easter Sunday and like, you know, waving my hands, fighting off bees. I look like up here, you know, resurrection and life. I'm, I'm obviously excited about it, but it's like, hopefully you're asking, like, so what? So what? Like, should I care that Jesus is resurrection and life? Like, what does that mean for me? If you notice, Jesus answers those questions with the words that come right out of his mouth after that. What does it mean for Jesus to be resurrection? It means this. It means death cannot destroy him. It means the grave cannot defeat him. It means that on that first Good Friday, when the jaws of death sunk its teeth into Jesus, death received the shock of a new experience, the experience of defeat. Up until that point in history, every time the jaws of death sunk its teeth into a human soul, it always consumed its prey. But this is the first time in the history of mankind when death attempted to sink its teeth into the soul of a man only to be shocked by the new experience. I could not consume this one. Why? Why? Because death attempted to take down the one who is the resurrection and the life. And when resurrection is who you are, when life is who you are, then there is no grave that can keep your body down. That's why on Easter Sunday, Christians gather together and we blow our lid because Jesus walked out of the tomb. He walked out of the grave. He could not not do it. 
He had to do it, and he proved he was able to do it, thus proving he is resurrection and he is life. Now, notice what this revelation of who Jesus is, what it means for Martha. Look in your copy of Scripture there and notice how Jesus continues to shepherd this woman in her grief and in her despair. Notice that what Jesus says about himself, I am the resurrection, I am the life, it has everything to do with the words of comfort that Jesus gives to Martha right there at the end of verse 25 and at the beginning of verse 26. Notice what Jesus says. He says two different things. Thing number one is this. Martha, you need to know this because I'm the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, whoever believes in me, though they die, they will live. It's truth number one. And then he says, notice this, everyone who lives is alive right now, and oh, also, by the way, is believing in me for eternal life, guess what? They shall never die. So Jesus is first of all saying to Martha, Martha, you need to know this, there is a way to die physically and yet live. There's a way to die and live. The promise here is that those who believe in Jesus, notice the condition there, those who believe in Jesus have this promise that there is a way to die and in death simultaneously find life. Those who believe in Jesus are those who trust on Jesus. They're looking to Jesus and they say this, I am a sinner and what I deserve is to be separated from a holy God, but I can look to the Lord Jesus Christ who is resurrection and life and he can give me a right standing with this holy God. That's what it means when Jesus says for the one who's believing in me. And if you find yourself here this morning believing in Jesus, even though you may die physically, the promise is you will live forever. This is the promise of resurrection life. The promise that for the genuine believer in Jesus, death is but the gateway to forever life. Hear this, Martha, Jesus is saying. This is what it means for me to be resurrection. When you believe in me as the one who is resurrection, this is what it means for you. That you have the promise that even though when you close your eyes in death here in this earthly world, you will open your eyes to forever life because I'm the resurrection. And because I defeated the grave, I can give you what I can only give, eternal life resurrection life. So those who come to me in belief now, he says, can find that life forever. But notice Jesus doesn't stop there. It looks like he's sort of saying the same thing, but he's actually, he's, t- he's tweaking it a little bit. He's giving us two separate truths. 
He says, do you find yourself a believer now? And then when that day comes, when you die, what you need to know is there's a truth waiting for you on the backside of death, resurrection life. There is a day when body, soul, resurrection met back again, and you will live forever and ever and ever and ever in the warm embrace, in the love, in the mercy, in the kindness of a kind and gracious Savior who gave himself on the cross for you. You need to know this. Me being the resurrection means you have a future promise and a future future hope that means the world, but it also means something for you right now in the present. So Martha, yes, it's true, final day, resurrection, that, that reality is coming, but you don't have to wait till then to enjoy eternal life. That's what he's saying when he turns around and says, yes, while there is a way to die physically and live forever, there's also a way to live physically and never die, he says. This is what Jesus means when he says that second thing to Martha. When he says, everyone who lives, Martha, that is everyone who's right now physically alive. And if you're physically alive right now and you believe in me, he says. Not believe that Jesus is a historical figure. Not believe that a man named Jesus did some stuff, ate some food, walked some places, lived in some homes, and had a life that lasted about 33 years. But saving belief, trusting belief, the kind of belief that says, on the backside of me dying, I know that judgment is coming for my sin. And like if I were just to run and jump off the stage and try to crowd surf onto Charles Campbell right there, that is a leap of faith. I have no guarantee that that man's going to catch me and I'm not going to smack my face on the ground. I can stand here and say, well, in theory, Charles is, you know, so many pounds and he does CrossFit. And, you know, I think he could probably, you know, you know I'm crunching formulas up here and pulling out algorithms about like, I mean, in theory, maybe I believe that he could do it. You know, my belief becomes belief when I then go, formulas aside, I run and jump and just go sailing through the air into. You see the difference. Everyone who lives now. and believes in me in that kind of leaping out. I'm putting all my eggs into the basket of Jesus' belief. When I die and open my eyes, I'm going to open my eyes believing that Jesus Christ accomplished on the cross what was necessary for me to be made right with God kind of belief. Alive now, believing with that kind of belief, what does Jesus say? Guess what? You shall never die. Translation, you can enjoy eternal life now and then. It's the part and parcel of following Jesus as the Lord and Savior. So if belief in Jesus means we can have eternal life when we die, then belief in Jesus also means we can experience eternal life even right now. In other words, listen, everyone who is in Christ Trusting, believing in him has already begun to experience eternal life in the here and now. This is what it means for Jesus to be life. 
The future promise of life forever can be found now. It can be had now. It can be enjoyed and it can be experienced right now in our daily lives. Truly, Jesus is saying to Martha and subsequently by talking to Martha and we get to sort of peek our, our, our face over the shoulders of Jesus and, and drop in our ears and listen. He's speaking to us as well. Listen, he's saying this, I am God's answer to the greatest problem humanity faces. Death is coming. God, how do we beat death? Jesus says, resurrection, life. It's who I am. And because it's who I am, I can give freely to all who come to me, believing in me, trusting in me, looking to me for salvation. The question then for you and the question for me is the exact same question that Jesus put before Martha right there at the very end of verse 26. Do you see it in your Bible? He says, Martha... Do you believe this? Four words. Do you believe this? Do you believe this? Martha, do you believe that life itself is linked to me? Martha, do you believe that eternal life is mine to give because I am resurrection? Tara, do you believe? Charles, do you believe? Bob, Don, do you believe? Tommy, do you believe? Insert your name there. Do you believe? It's not, yeah, I will give mental assent to these raw historical facts of data pulled from history, that kind of thing. No, no. Do you believe with the kind of belief that says when I close my eyes in death, I am banking every single thing. I am banking eternal life on the one who went to the cross and resurrected from the dead, defeating Satan, sin, and death, and being able to bring the salvation I need because he is resurrection. He is life. Friends, do you believe this? Anybody can say anything, right? I could get up and say, literally take these words of Jesus, shove them in my mouth, and give them to you. Guys, you know, if you believe in me and... Eternal life is yours, even if you physically... I, 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 I could get up and say that to you right now. The question you have is, like, what's the proof? <laughs> what's the proof that he can, Jonathan could deliver on a promise like that? That's why I think the Lazarus account comes right on the heels of Jesus looking at Martha and saying, do you believe this young lady? And then Jesus turns around in order to prove the promise, to prove that he is resurrection, in order to prove he is life, in order to prove that he can give what solely belongs to him alone. And worthy thus to be believed, Jesus turns to a Palestinian grave. And in deeply moved, he approaches the tomb of his friend. And Jesus commands that the stone that lay against the tomb be taken away, stirring Martha to protest. Jesus comforts her with words of comfort again, and then he prays a prayer that is answered by the Father in a way that I am positive no one on earth was imagining was going to happen inside that moment. 
into the cold darkness of that grave, the resurrection and the life, commands death to obey him. Lazarus, come out now. And John tells us that the dead man got up and came out of the tomb. Oh, beloved, if you see nothing else this morning, please see this, that what happened to Lazarus is an illustration of what happens to a sinner when he believes in Jesus. See that what happened to Lazarus physically must happen to you spiritually. See that if Jesus has power to give life to Lazarus' dead body, then Jesus has power to give spiritual life to your sin-dead heart. For apart from Jesus, you are dead in your trespasses and sins, dead following the ways of this world, dead in the pursuit of gratifying the cravings of your sinful nature. But because Jesus is resurrection and because Jesus is life, here is the hope for every Lazarus this morning that God, being rich in mercy, God being extravagantly, scandalously wealthy in mercy, God having an inexhaustible storehouse of treasure called mercy, looks to us with great love and loved us that even when we were Lazarus dead in the tomb in our trespasses, God looks and commands and says, death, you will now become life. And we resurrect into the newness of life at the command of him who is resurrection and life. See, that's the beauty of why we celebrate Easter Sunday. That's the beauty of why we blow our lid on Easter Sunday. Why? Because if Jesus didn't come out of the tomb, and if he doesn't have power over death, we have epically wasted our time this morning. But if he has come out of the tomb, and he has defeated the grave, then this means it is true that we can be made alive, notice what Paul says, together with Christ. And there it is right there. It's that last phrase. Whoever believes in Jesus has been made alive just as Christ has been made alive. Our death-defeating hope doesn't merely hang on Jesus calling a dead man out of a grave. No, the death defeating hope that you and I have is that on that Sunday, some 2,000 years ago, Jesus came walking out of his grave. Our sure and unshakable hope is that because Jesus is life, death never stood a chance on that Good Friday. Jesus and death fought, and Jesus got the last word. And as he stands in victory with his foot crushing the neck of our last enemy here, Jesus' final words, I am the resurrection and I am the life. Do you believe this? Do you believe this? I for one do. I love Jesus. With all my heart, soul, mind, and strength, I love Jesus. And I am banking my hope of eternal life on the Lord Jesus Christ, who is the resurrection and the life. The Easter invitation for you is to come and do the same. Do you believe in Jesus Christ? Martha looks to him in verse 27 and says, yes. Yes, Lord. I believe. I believe. Let's pray.
Lord Jesus, would you move in power and would you move in might right now? Would you bring great joy to those who are here this morning who can say in answer to the question, do you believe this? Yes, like Martha. Yes, Lord, I believe you're the Christ. I believe you're the Son of God. I believe you have come into the world to accomplish this very thing, to make a way for sinners to have eternal life. Lord, for those here this morning who are asking questions, who are struggling, who are doubting, who are maybe just hearing about this Jesus guy for the first time, and they're like, man, I've got like a thousand and one questions about like everything that the preacher guy said up front. Lord, would you just do this in this moment right now? Would you just do this one thing? Would you reveal yourself in an unmistakable way to this man, to this woman? Draw them to yourself, Christ the King. Draw them to yourself. Reveal yourself as the resurrection and the life that you are so that they might know you, believe in you, and find the eternal life that you can give. Thank you, Jesus, for crushing death to death. We celebrate this with great joy today. And it's in Christ Jesus, your name, we pray. Amen.